Welcome to the Secret Nerd Podcast, where we think everyone should play tabletop RPGs and give you some reasons why. With me tonight, I am super excited. I have with me um, TTRPG's strongest man. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, community. Uh, uh, God, what's the word? Um, he does a bunch of stuff for Roll Twenty, for Free RPG Day, for uh, podcasting, for TTRPGs in general, and is just generally a ray of sunshine and trying to get more people into games. And I am uh, very, very excited for this conversation. So, yeah, if you would like to introduce yourself, <laughs> what's up, y'all? It's Danny, uh, found on the internet as Brutal Dan. Um, as you said, I, I kind of do all things community, a community builder, strategist. Um, but but honestly, getting people into gaming is one of my favorite things. Yeah. Um, introducing people to gaming is one of the most exciting things. And also making people feel heard once they're in the community, um, aka me just like hyping up all my friends doing really cool shit all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, when I first encountered you on Twitter, because I didn't join until mid-2021, um, that was one of the first things I noticed was like, you were all about like, how do we get more people, more marginalized people into games and, and board games and teach RPGs. And um, to me, like that's part of the mission of the show is showing that these games are for everyone. So I, I love that uh, idea. And I love that coming from uh, somebody who's been around for a while and who's, you know, made a name for yourself in, in the space and, um, and can speak to a lot of the ways that, one can grow and and uh and develop and create in the space and i think that's yeah it was awesome to see yeah it's it's one of those things where um when i first started i unbeknownst to me getting into the community i started kind of off in the board game community mm -hmm. um just analog gaming in general and it was very telling that um, there weren't a lot of people that looked like me or talked like me or yeah. had shared experiences. And at first I kind of fought it a little bit like, oh, I need to break into the space. Mm. Um, but slowly but surely, it was just that those people's voices weren't amplified or it was harder to find them through the algorithms, through whatever. But slowly but surely, I started to find community um and finding those marginalized voices and being able to reach out being able to really connect with them and kind of see how what their struggles were and what what we could do honestly to not just open up the doors for opportunities but also throw the ladder down and also help pull up and i know it sounds like a lot but Sometimes in our space, we do have to work in overdrive. And I, I think an end goal, if there ever is an end goal, is to, to not always have to work in overdrive, to always not feel like you're grinding and always having to do that extra thing or push or feel like you're on the brink of burnout just to be heard or seen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it 
it is a lot, especially like coming into the space new. Uh, and, and like you said, not knowing and not being able to see, like it takes a while to find those spaces where you um, can feel safe even. And, mm-hmm. and as we've seen over the past years, like Twitter can, ha- Twitter has some, some people in it that can lead you down into either wrong circles or, or places where you are more likely to uh, encounter harm of some kind, um, generally emotionally or, or otherwise, but like, yeah, like it's, it sucks. And um, so I'm always happy when there are, are champions who are trying to bring in more people and show like, look, you can look like me or uh, any other kind of marginalized identity and still have safe places here and, and, and still be able to move forward. So. Yeah. 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 And like you were saying, it's, it's tough because when you're trying to break in, you're just kind of following the big wigs or whoever is right, yeah. visible. And that is a double-edged sword because you're trying to grow your own community. You're trying to figure out where you are in the space and who you can trust. Um, and it's, it's a weird, it's a weird space to be because you want to be vulnerable and you want to be trusting um but it's 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 tough when there is a, a point where that vulnerability and that trust can be taken advantage of yeah. um and it sucks that we do have to have these smaller whisper networks or um ways to try to keep people safe mm-hmm. um and i think those will exist for however long there's bad actors in the space but i think from my time being in the the space I think we are getting better at calling bad behavior out. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I, it's, it's not canceling. It's not whatever, however other people want to deflect. It's just calling out bad behavior and trying to get people to correct it or at least learn or see why it can be a detriment to a specific community. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so important, um, especially like stuff like that where it's like, look, if you actually care about all these people who you say are your friends and and who you want to play in your games and you want to use their their images and identity to boost your show, like also do the work then that goes into that to like understand who they are, understand how to treat them respectfully and, and safely and things like that. So yeah, it's it it is a lot, but I think it's you have to be responsible if you're going to be in a public space and and work in a in a way that's one already in a very tight knit space. Like TTRPGs is not a huge group of people, um, and the AP space like is you know even smaller in that regard. And so like the or the design space, whatever it is, so you really got to show some care, or people are going to find out and call you out on it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you can build those consequences, I guess. Right. And, and, um, something that I talk about relatively frequently is, is a lot of times people have these, they say they have a safe space for people. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, it's great that they think their spaces are safe. Um, and I know people like Connie Chong, um, uh, of transplanter fame. Um, they've also talked about this where safe space is okay. It's almost, it's like the bare minimum, right? Right now. It's just (laughs) like, okay, your, your space is safe, but what are you actually doing to, again, keep those doors open to breaking down, helping us breaking down barriers? It's kind of like 
people love the ally tag. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, we don't need allies anymore. We don't need safe spaces anymore. We need accomplices and we need strong spaces. We need yeah. these spaces where people can thrive and feel okay to speak their mind without being called aggressive or mm-hmm. whatever, or like whatever microaggressions that you can receive just for calling out problematic behavior. Yeah. We need those, those type of people that think they're an ally to not just use the ally word or the safe space as a shield, but start using it as some sort of way to be an accomplice, be that person that's right beside us when we are yelling at the top of our lungs just to be heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like I, I go back to like those early days of joining Twitter and being like, Oh, like, cool, this person followed me, I guess I'll follow them back to being like, now where I'm like, hmm, <laughs> I don't know you. <laughs> yeah. And that's just enough for me to say, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. Um, uh, because yeah, it is, it's, it's, uh, it can be a lot. And there's, there's so many, you know, especially on something like that, like social media, where it's like, oh, your bio is like this little, you know, highlight reel that you've curated for other people to consume. Um, and of course that the, you know, that's only as trustworthy as you are and, and it's hard to tell from a outsider's perspective, but, um, we, we've, we've gone very philosophical for the beginning of this. So I'm going to bring it back for a minute. Um, how did you get into nerd stuff in general, Danny? Nerd stuff in general, uh, way back when, uh, (laughs) (laughs) no. Um, so I am first generation American. Um, I'm born to immigrant parents who immigrated over here from Vietnam. I'm Chinese and Vietnamese, uh, Asian American. I have an older brother who was born in Vietnam and they immigrated over here in the eighties, 1988 or 89. Um, and I popped out as a nineties baby. I was born in the (laughs) nineties. Um, and it was a weird space to grow up because I grew up in a multi-generational multi-family multilingual situation. Um, so everything was normal, but I knew something was not normal as well. Like not everybody lives in a two bedroom condo with three families and their grandparents and their aunts and uncles and their mom and dad and their siblings and their cousins. Um, But something that always really that made things feel normal were games, whether it's board games, us playing like life or cards or monopoly or whatever, or, you know, having one family and or having one system in three families mm-hmm. we're pretty much watching i was pretty much watching my older cousins play video games from the jump yeah um and it was it was one of those things where i me and my cousin leah we were always the youngest uh so we were always either last players to be able to play <laughs> or yeah. we would die quickly and then we would have to pass off the controller so a lot of it was just observing um but it was just so cool to be uh, to watch people play games or just to mm. observe. And uh, once once fr- uh, cousins started inviting friends over, even though there was like a language barrier or an age gap or whatever, you would have people from three years old all the way up to 16, 17 in the same room yeah. huddled around uh, an NES just playing Dr. Mario or Sonic or whatever. Um, and it was just, it was a really cool way for me to see how important gaming was in retrospect, but Mm. it was a a way for me to kind of merge my 
outside family and my inside family and my friends and to break down barriers when it comes to cultures or languages or whatever, we can just sit down and we can play a game. Um, so looking back at it, it's, it's, it's been a really important way for me to build relationships and community for me to not look at my identity as being marginalized, but something that I can relate to people with because we like the same things. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, we grew up playing video games. Um, and as we kind of went our separate ways, we would always have game nights when we would have sleepovers with the cousins. It would always end up being everybody in the living room with a whole bunch of pillows, just playing games. Um, and it was video games was kind of my first love of, you know, jumping into weird worlds and exploring and stuff. Um, and it kind of, I was a Nintendo junkie through and through. Like, I would, Nintendo fanboy, whatever they would put out, I'd be yeah. like, oh, we need to get it. <laughs> um, and being poor, again, it was always like what, uh, one system being shared between three families. Yeah. Um, so we would always get the hand me down. So whenever something else, new came out we would play it. and this was back in the days i feel like such a, a an elder millennial but this was back <laughs> in the days with like blockbuster and we would right. like save up our money so that we could rent uh majora's mask three times to try to beat it rather than just buying it you know yeah, yeah. um yeah it was it was um that was kind of where i fell in love and um with gaming and seeing how it can bring people around uh uh, something that is common and something that is fun and it evokes emotion like you can be mad mad and you can be happy within like 30 seconds right like you could you could uh, be exploring one thing and celebrating the next second and it's just it was the first time where i realized like oh like there are people around me that we can connect on a common space. Um, and it wasn't until um, I kind of went off to college, started playing more analog games. Um, that was when Catan was really big, um, kind of dabbled in Pokemon and Magic the Gathering just a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I really kind of got my first taste in analog gaming. And that was weird to me because I was like all video games all the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Um, but being around a table where, again, growing up as a child of the internet who is chronically online, <laughs> there was something special about being around a table and not in front of screens. Yeah. Um, but again, that was during the big boom of like the Nintendo 3DS and the Wii and the Wii U. Um, so I was still buying into all that, but I was still kind of dipping my foot into analog gaming and um Fast forward to when I moved down to Florida. I'm originally from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother, knew he knows I'm a big gamer. We grew up together. And he just looked up gaming stores in Central Florida. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to buy me a gift card for Christmas to go buy a game, whatever I wanted. Um, and I guess th- there's, a, there's a retailer slash uh, distributor down here called Cool Stuff Games or Cool Stuff Inc., 
mm. um, cool games, whatever. Uh, but there, it, it shows up as a game store down here, and he bought me a gift card. And I was like, oh, sweet. Let me go use this gift card. And I walk in, and it's just like a board game store. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> uh, I asked the, the person at the front desk. I was like, do you all have any video games here? And they're like, no, we're a board game retailer, uh, distributor. Um, they had demo games out. I think people were playing Magic the Gathering and stuff. But um, I had 100 bucks gift card. And I picked up three games that looked really good to me. And that was when I just completely fell in love with board gaming. Cause I was just like, Whoa, this is scratching an itch. Yeah. I did not know I had. And it just kind of, uh, it just kind of spiraled from there of me being such a nerd, um, <laughs> a little obsessive when it comes to what I like in my hobbies and yeah. stuff. Um, and I like to hyper fixate. And um, so I deep dive into uh, different games and like, what are the popular games? And, um, and that's, that's when I kind of got onto social media um, about seven or eight years ago and just trying to find spaces where I could talk about it and not yeah. annoy my work friends all the time <laughs> about starting game night every single night of the week. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of blossomed into something like I never in a million years, I used to work a corporate health and wellness job, never in a million years that I think that I would be able to work in gaming. Um, and just through my experiences and through, again, just kind of finding my community and finding a space where I could be loud and proud and explore and learn from and amplify voices. Um, I've gotten amazing opportunities uh from other people that were looking out for me yeah. um and now i as we said earlier I'm, I'm the community manager for roll 20 and i get to be a part of contract work like being the community director for um for free rpg day and things like that so it's it's been a wild ride and I pretty much give my long answer short how did i get into gaming <laughs> video games led me 30, 30 some odd years later into um, being full-time in the, the gaming space. Yeah. That's so cool though. I mean, I think it's one, I think it's really amazing to like have that experience of having so many people around you, like tight knit family where you are able to have these instances of like trying to share this one system. And I think like I look at it now and it's like, I have three kids and you know, grandma bought them all their own tablet. And it's like, mm -hmm. they don't have that ex experience of like trying to share a thing and they're toddlers. So they already have a hard time sharing in general, mm -hmm. but you know what I mean? But it is very different. I remember also, I've talked about it on the show before of like having to like stay up all night just to watch my brother mm -hmm. and, um, and his best friend, like play Zelda, try to beat it. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and just like watching the story. And, um, I do think that there's something about that, that translated into what it became like Twitch streaming, um, and us becoming, uh, you know, quiet observers of, of this media going on and that we're not actually playing. Um, but yeah, I really do love that. I'm curious though, like, you know, you talked a lot about how it was in your home, when you were in school, like, did you take a lot of that with you? Um, and, and how was that sort of accepted for you? Like in middle school, high school, stuff like that. Yeah. Like every single, um, so I was one of two Asian people. I remember growing up mm. in a small town in Georgia. Um, and of course both the two Asian 
kids were best friends. And <laughs> um, it was it was a weird it was a weird space to be in because I kind of had my core group of friends mm-hmm. um, that we would have sleepovers and we would play video games. And StarCraft was big then, real-time strategy, if you all yeah, remember yeah, StarCraft. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and fun fact, that's where Brutal Dan comes from. That was my old Battle.net nice. <laughs> handle. Hell yeah. Um, and we would have LAN parties and like watch mm-hmm. our older siblings play. And But like when we were at school, we were also part of the football team and we were also part of the, the band, the jazz band there. And we were also a part of like chess club and debate club. So in school we were, I'm assuming just because we were trying to be as normal as possible, looking different or having different families. We were just trying to be accepted and be part of a lot of things. So Going into high school, it wasn't like necessarily a a secret that I was a nerd, mm-hmm. um, but I kind of had like my gaming friends and then friends that I went to like emo rock concerts with, and then <laughs> yeah. I had my football friends. And then, so everybody was kind of like in different little groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it wasn't like, I guess in my mind, I didn't want these groups to like, to merge because I didn't want them to have any sort of conflict. So if I know you like a specific thing, then, you know, we'll do that thing. So I have my lifting buddies and uh, let's practice music or let's whatever. And um, it wasn't until my 16th birthday where I, we, my best friend was able to host it at his house and we kind of just invited everyone. And it was like, Oh, like an aha moment of like, Oh, it's okay to have like, everybody's a little nerdy. Everybody has different levels of their nerddom. But we, I remember like playing like dance dance revolution Mm -hmm. with the pad plugged into a PS one. And it was, it would like always unplug because we were going too hard, but like people that didn't think they would like video games were playing video games. Mm -hmm. Uh, People were playing Yahtzee and people in the pool, just like playing dodgeball. And it was just kind of like this cool moment of like, Oh, like I don't, I don't need to feel like I hide parts of myself. I can talk about who I am uh, hobby wise. Like I can have a lot of different hobbies and I can have friends that maybe are more into these things, but it's okay to start introducing these types of things to these different groups. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I think it's, uh, (laughs) it is interesting when you have that like ability to float around. Um, And I definitely did that as well. Uh, But I think that, it, I, it feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you are an extrovert. Would you consider yourself? Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, I yeah. do like my alone time and yeah. vegging out, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I do love being around people and I, yeah. I definitely love spending time with, with friends and people and meeting new people. Yeah. 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 I'm not an extrovert. So for me, that, <laughs> it was like, there was a certain point I think in my life when um, I was like, okay, I don't have to pretend anymore, but I'm also... I'm also going to just like seek out who's like around and like it became less of like a trying to float around all these different spaces and more of like who's going to like me for the me that I am mm-hmm. um which is not to say that you didn't do that but it's just like it's you know it's very interesting how those approaches can kind of take uh different paths you know at the end of the day um 
but yeah, no, that's that's a lot of fun. So you mentioned emo music. That's uh that's a big big love of mine as well. Uh, yeah. What, what were some of your favorite bands? Um. So all time favorite band is Fall Out Boy. Okay. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have a. Uh, Two Fall Out Boy tattoos. I have Hum Hallelujah, which is my favorite track of theirs all at all time. Yeah. Um, tattooed on my left forearm. And I also have the emblem from from under the cork tree. Um, the little gear with the keyhole with the mm-hmm. eye looking through it that's on top of the uh the curtains. Um with little antlers that reference as uh sugar were going down. <laughs> nice. Um so yeah, it, it, like kind of like another part of me. Mm-hmm. Um which I've I've talked to n- not to to dump, but I've, I've, uh, I, I've been to therapy and I talked through a lot of things, but I think there was a lot, the way that I, um, kind of have these groupings or carp carp, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, putting things into these little kind of structured things, mm-hmm. uh, structured groups or yeah. structured of who I am was kind of a way for me to kind of control how people saw me. But one of those, uh, compartments was, um, me being a merch guy for local bands. Nice. So I got to like travel around Metro Atlanta, uh, going to shows for free and like slinging shirts and EPs and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some of my favorite bands, Cartel, um, I've got to merch for them before. They're from my hometown, surprisingly. Hell yeah, that's cool. Um, and they were cool. So yeah, uh, Panic at the Disco, Paramore, uh, Four Years Strong, Under Oath. Yeah. Um, uh screamo bands a, a day to remember um uh forever the sickest kids like um i i randomly a song from just surrender came up which they're yeah. like this kind of like weird obscure yeah. they only put out one yeah. album yeah. but like i still remember every single word um yeah. and yeah that's another thing that i'm like su- i uh it's it's kind of, it feels like almost a lifetime ago but i was like I would go from football practice and get a friend to pick me up and we would go to downtown Atlanta at the masquerade, which is mm. like a, um, uh, concert venue. Yeah. And I would spend my time just like going to concerts and, uh, helping friends out. Um, and yeah, music has always been a way, another way again, just like gaming did another way for me to connect with people. A lot yeah. of my, I, a lot of my hobbies have been ways for me to try to find uh, not necessarily mask, but try to find ways for people not to call me out on being different and be like, mm. Hey, you know, like we, we can connect on this and we can deep dive this and not worry about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. Like I used to, that was what I used to deep dive on the, the most like back before, um, we had all these like streaming services and stuff. Like I would just like, let me read about this band on Wikipedia. And then it was like, cool. What are the other bands like? And then I would just read all the information. So like the amount of information I have on like the, the love triangle of taking back Sunday, brand new. And, uh, God, what's the, yeah. Um, I, I, John Nolan's other band that he, a straight light run. And it's like all of this, oh like, God, straight light run. I don't need this information, but I, I like knew it. And so people will be like, Oh, like, this is cool. Like this song sounds like this. I'm like, no, there's a reason that 70 times seven sounds like this song. Yeah. <laughs> and it's because, um, yeah. You just so. unlocked a core memory because I saw straight light run, straight light run. Uh, they opened for may. I don't know mm. if you remember may. Yes. Um, but they were like a melodic rock band and you just, you just unlocked something. So now I'm going to go listen to, to May. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, what like you you say you you loved emo music? Uh, yes. Do you have yeah. favorites? Yeah. So my my first favorite was AFI. Uh, that was like where it started, um, and then it went down. Like I saw the um, music video for Sick uh, Transit Gloria from mm. Brand New, and I was like, "Fuck, this is so good!" And then that whole album was just yeah. incredible. Um, and then Taking Back Sunday. Um, uh, I was just listening to Taking Back Sunday during my workout today. Nice, hell yeah, um, yeah. But it was uh, a day to remember was fantastic. I saw them live with rise against that was fucking so good it was a mm-hmm. great concert um and there's a lot of bands like that too like a day to remember i think i didn't listen to as much until i saw them live but seeing them live changed my perspective on their music mm-hmm. um it, in, a, in a positive way um straight light run was another one that was like once i saw them live i was like oh my god like this song like even though the studio version of the song didn't hit the same as the live version it's still like it triggered that, you know? And so, um, yeah, there's so many, I I've literally made like four different playlists of like story of my life of like the, well, story of my life is another band. Um, of, uh, of like, these are like music or moments or, um, artists that like defined uh, a big part of my identity, uh, at that age. So, yeah. yeah, it's wild how, uh, how, how we we associate uh, memories with music. Uh, mm-hmm. I can listen to a song that I haven't heard in like literally 15 years and still know every lyric, every yeah. little breakdown, every whatever. Yeah. Um, and um, again, going to concerts and stuff, and I don't know if you you felt the same, but the 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 punk rock emo scene mm-hmm. was just kind of like any other really big popular scene where. You didn't see a lot of uh, people no. of color. You yeah. didn't really see people, you know, that looked like you. Yeah. Um, and just most, re- I, I mentioned that because there's been kind of a, not, I wouldn't say a resurgence, but like some, because uh, uh, there were bands like um, Gym Class Heroes mm-hmm. uh, yes. and uh, bands that did have uh, people of color in the band, but there's been a the movement. Red. <laughs> you ever listen to Holy Bread? Uh-uh. I've never no. heard of Holy Bread. I think they're from Florida. They were uh it was three black dudes. They were they did um punk rock, I want to say. And they did a cover of a little John song and it was it's so fucking good. We'll, you have yeah. to we'll yeah, we'll get after it enough. But yeah, yeah, Holy Bread folks, look it up. Um uh but yeah, sorry, go ahead and continue. Yeah. There, oh, no, no, there wasn't so, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't a lot and there's been kind of like this movement um I, I, I don't know how I found them, um, but there's a, a, a band called Action Adventure. Uh, it's stylized as action slash adventure. Mm-hmm. And they kind of started a hashtag called Pop Punk in Color. Mm-hmm. And it was just one of the coolest things because uh, it's literally a band made up of people of color. Yeah. Um, and there's been... Uh, they they do a really good job of highlighting other bands that are like that. So another band from Florida um, that has two um leading black vocalist and guitarist um called magnolia park yeah. and they're magnolia park is dope yeah they're so good and they, they literally released a song called don't be racist and it's one of my favorite things in the world <laughs> my um, then, my kids uh my daughter her favorite song is radio reject yeah and uh she got a barbie for christmas and i was like well, what are you gonna name your barbie and she's like radio reject <laughs> i was like fuck I yeah <laughs> 
Um, and there's another one that I want to just shout out in case anybody listening uh, is yeah, yeah. into music is uh, Meet Me at the Altar. Mm. Uh, three three women, which is mm. uh, another wilder guy. young yeah. young young women that are breaking into the scene. Uh, three women of color who are just so freaking talented and just I don't know. Seeing things like that makes me know that what we're doing in the tabletop RPG space isn't a lost cause or isn't a um a a solo thing where you have to feel like you're facing problems that you think you're creating in your head or these problems that we might not think are are affecting how things are in real life or in other industries. Um, So seeing things like that really motivate me to um, just keep pushing in the community to make things again, just more accessible, more approachable, Mm -hmm. bringing more people in, making it more welcoming. um, And yeah. Uh, But yes, music, I could talk about emo music all (laughs) the time. So uh, I know I, uh, me and two of my friends almost started another podcast just about this. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get it. Um, yeah, no, that's so good though. Um, another thing that you and I, uh, had in common is, um, you mentioned football and mm-hmm. I talked about you being TTRPG strongest man. <laughs> um, before I'm going to ask, before we dig into your origins and continuation of this, I want to tell you an anecdote. So, okay. um, when I put out my 50th episode, um, I got with Lexi McQueen and oh, Black Girl Mage. I and, love Lexi. Uh, yeah. And I asked them to host a stream to do a Q&A so that, like, just because it had been 50 episodes and I don't do a ton of stuff. Like, I'm, uh, I have a lot of social anxiety and I don't, like, do a ton on social media anyway. So I was like, well, this will give people a chance if they want to, to, like, ask questions. And um, so she hosted it. And one of the questions I asked, which is funny that I'm talking to you about this now because it's literally going on. It just released. There's that uh, clash, uh, creator clash, where like all these like I don't I don't know about it either. But basically, there's like they get like content creators from like Twitch and shit, and they make them box. Well, they don't make them. They have them box each other for charity. Um, and some and so somebody asked me like, okay, well, who in the teacher RPG space would you want to box for creator cut? clash and so i was like i don't know like at first i made a joke about nerds not being able to fight and then i was like well okay that's toxic let's move on (laughs) um so i was like well you know maybe i was like maybe b dave because he's tall and it would be like a funny it would be a very funny like height difference and reach difference and um and Lexi's like, I thought you were gonna say Danny. And I was like, Are you fucking out of your mind? <laughs> <laughs> so much bigger than me. Um, yeah. I think it would be fun, but I don't want to fight you, Danny. So uh. So for what it's worth, I've never been in a fist fight. Okay, um, so um for what it's worth, I usually use my strength for good. So yeah, AK yeah, yeah. friends calling me to move things for them. Um <laughs> uh and I did work as a door guy briefly in college for bars and i did have to physically like bear hug and remove people yeah i've never had to use my fists so you could probably knock me the hell out honestly <laughs> we don't need to do it uh, <laughs> unless charity's involved uh <laughs> but no. um but yeah so i'm curious for you like did is that where it started was it football that that started like led you into the path of of working out something like that yeah um again one of those things where i just kind of dipped my toes into everything and um 
it was eighth grade where I started um, going to just random football practices. My brother was playing um, and he, he didn't last very long. He's kind of the opposite build of me. Super skinny. <laughs> yeah. uh, not very good with uh, being hit or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I was like, Oh, if my, my brother's doing it, I, I, I could probably do it. Um, and I've always been a, a, just like a heavier set guy in general. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I kind of, fell into and I was surprisingly good at and um actually throughout high school like I was the team captain and I was grading out so in in Georgia football you have your kind of um uh, your your school uh you 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 get graded based on how big your school is okay. um and graded in a way of like, like uh division in your division, yeah. Um, so you have your usually quarterbacks, running backs. It's easy to grade them, but for linemen, I was actually a lineman, being five foot six. But um, my 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 school, we ran a wing T uh, offense, which is an offense that does a lot of sweeps uh, and a lot of pulling of the linemen. So our our two guards. This is sports ball talk. Sorry, if it's sports, <laughs> but pretty much I was more agile than a lot of. Uh, what you would think as a lineman Typical would be lineman, in American yeah, yeah. football. Mm-hmm. Um, so I graded out very well. And that means a lot of college recruiters in D D two schools were like looking at me. Um, and um, I almost went to college in Louisiana to play D two football. Yeah. Uh, and I realized like, one, it probably wouldn't lead anywhere Two, I don't know anything about Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, and Three, like again, I was five foot six and playing against uh, people that are casually six foot four and yeah, 300 pounds. or higher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably not for me. But um, so yeah, I absolutely love football. I'm still a huge uh, nerd. I went to the University of Georgia. Uh, go dogs! We just yeah, won yeah. the national championship uh, yeah. again. Surprisingly, <laughs> um, yeah, I I fell in love with uh, almost the com- I mean camaraderie for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a part of a team and working towards a goal is uh, has always fueled that kind of competitive edge in me. Um, but I did through that love fell in love with powerlifting. Um, yeah. We did bench squat and power cleans, and we would do like local meets and stuff. And that's kind of where I I fell in love with lifting in general. And going into college, I chose to go to the University of Georgia um, instead of playing football. And I missed that that team building. Yeah. Um, but I had started uh, working at the gym, the, the university's gym. And me and a buddy of mine was like, hey, we should start a powerlifting club. There's not a powerlifting club here. Yeah. And that's when it got pretty serious where we were like, we had meets scheduled and we had backing by the university and stuff. And yeah, I... I was a competitive powerlifter for a while. Um, I dipped my toes into bodybuilding. I did bodybuilding stuff. Um, and it was it was a way, again, for me to build community around me with my hobbies, um, yeah. which is a, a pretty common thing where uh, trying to, to lead the way for other people to get into lifting or if they're curious about powerlifting or even they're just curious about fitness in general. Um, and then as a side note, through lifting, working at the gym, I was also a cheerleader for the University of Georgia. Oh, nice. And I 
I didn't know anything about cheerleading, but mm-hmm. um, one of my coworkers, she was on the cheerleading team and she was like, hey, we're losing a lot of guys. If you want to come to this three-day clinic, if you can make it th- your, the way through, you'll be on the team. Yeah. And I was like, uh, sure, why not? Um, <laughs> this was my, yeah, right? This was my sophomore year. And I got on the team and it was amazing because I got treated like an athlete. So I had that team. Yeah. That team feeling again, but I got treated as an athlete in the way like a university D1 athlete would be treated. So like all the Nike gear, I got to use the the state of the art powerlifting, Olympic lifting facilities because I was like lifting with the the D1 football players, the yeah. literal probably now Olympic athletes that did track and field and volleyball right. and all that. Um, yeah. And it was it, it was absolutely amazing. But during that time. Again, I I really use that time to find again being a child of the internet to find other people like me that liked lifting but focused on like a holistic view of fitness and what it could be and I I before I had a social media following for board games and tabletop RPGs I was actually kind of doing the same thing in the fitness realm yeah. um where companies would hire me to they would fly me i was like a booth babe pretty much i would fly to like uh the arnold classic in yeah. columbus ohio or mr olympia and i was sponsored by a few uh supplement companies and i would just you know kind of be the face and like say like hey you can come meet me at the booth let's talk about whatever um but yeah it, it's lifting has stayed a part of me it's always been a part of my life since football yeah. and now going from something so um hyper fixated in just strength or aesthetics or being a part of that community where it 100% is fat phobic and it's 100% mm-hmm. there's a lot of toxic masculinity that gets wrapped around that type of stuff mm-hmm. um being able to see that in hindsight i didn't like that feeling um so now to be able to use my platform and really be vocal about kind of like i've been there and it's it's not it's not okay and um i've had that mindset before and it's not okay and these are the reasons why um and then uh being so i also went to school um i got my bachelor's in public health and my master's in exercise science um so being able to have these I guess you could call them accolades or whatever. Like I'm not just speaking out my ass. Like mm-hmm. these, like this is what's happening when it comes to uh, what you see as fitness advertising or these weight loss, quick weight loss or whatever, everything, yeah. even in our government, the way that we disperse information, it's not equitable. Not everybody gets what they need. Mm-hmm. Not everybody understands like the, yeah. Yeah. the, the literacy health literacy is not there and being able to kind of see all that and try to affect it as much as I can was became kind of like a shift from like being a competitive lifter into being a health professional. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, the, did you feel like you were still experiencing some of that negativity, uh, even in the powerlifting realm? Cause I, what I didn't start powerlifting until, I'm going to guess it was like 2016, something like that. Um, and I'm curious, like, w- did you still feel like there was still a lot of this uh, focus on 
aesthetic there as well? Like, or I should say like the classic, like bodybuilder aesthetic. No, which is why I kind of fell in love with powerlifting. And that's kind of became my bread and butter is because you focus on what the body can do Mm -hmm. and you celebrate all body types that can just move weight. Um, and it's not focused on a subjective judge saying that your body fat isn't low enough. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times picked it, it up off the ground. <laughs> exactly. I moved it <laughs> yeah. like 18 inches. Like, yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's, it's 100% kind of why I, uh, put my focus back into powerlifting rather than bodybuilding. Yeah. Um, okay. So this next question is for me and like five of the listen- listeners, but I need to know how much did you deadlift, squat, and bench? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in my in my heydays, uh, it was a USAPL meet, um, mm-hmm. the USA powerlifting. So it was a sanctioned meet and I actually set records for, uh, so I lifted raw, meaning I didn't use uh, suits, belts, straps, or anything. Yeah. Um, and I, I was in the 198 weight class um and it was the junior division which was 18 uh or 22 to 24 or whatever something like that yeah um and i set the record for deadlift which was 500 and like it was like 553 point something odd pounds yeah um because they do it in kilograms mm-hmm. um my highest bench was three three fifty point two or something like that yeah um and my squat was at 525 nice um so uh having a total like that um was very um exciting it was very hard to maintain um especially um in a meat setting um and after i had graduated college it was hard to maintain a competitive route because when you're in college you can like you're you you have easy access to things yeah. and you're on a schedule. When real life happens, it's just like oh shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was my big three. Um, yeah. So my total was over fifteen hundred, which qualified me for nationals and stuff. But I never, I never Went pursued that. Yeah, yeah, incredible. What um, about you? Hella strong. Uh, my I never competed, but like my highest in the gym, I did a five fifteen deadlift uh, at two hundred pounds. Between 200 and 205. I did a 515 deadlift, a 455 squat, and uh, 310 was my bench. Nice. I'd never got 315, which, like, for anybody who knows, like, having (laughs) just having three plates on instead of like this fucking two and a half pound weight at the end, um, it'll drive you nuts. But that, yeah, I never got 315, but, uh, do you still, do you still work towards that or, um, I have it. I, I don't have the time anymore. Just like being a father of three is so hard to stay consistent in the gym. Um, but, um, I would like to get back into it again. And I definitely like, I, I don't worry about, it would be nice to hit 315, I think just for the sake of it. But like, I don't see myself ever trying to hit like 400 pound bench because that's just it's so much weight yeah Um, i was gonna say what so in my in my pat one of my past life jobs i was also a powerlifting coach mm -hmm. and one of my favorite things was breaking those plate thresholds yeah and i did it very well um and i would dare to say that a lot of why you couldn't get past it was a lot a mental block for sure Um, (laughs) yeah and i have tricks for that Um, yeah but when I get back in the gym, I'm I'm gonna call you. 
Um, yeah. So, uh, incredible, super strong. Um, when the next thing I want to talk about is like bringing it back to TTRPGs. Um, you know, you talked about like doing stuff for Roll Twenty and and things like that. Like, I'm curious just for you, like, generally in the space, what what is it that you enjoy? doing the most because you've had opportunities like i've seen you in an ap before and um like you went to big bad con and things so like you know what are what are some of the things that you really enjoy um doing the most in the teacher rpg space that's not playing tabletop <laughs> playing? yeah playing is absolutely fine yeah um i i absolutely do love being uh at tables with new people i mm. love like that's one of my favorite things is to be able to share the table with someone new with yeah. a different perspective that either not necessarily challenges the way that I play, but challenges what I think is a normal reaction to whatever's happening. Yeah. That is absolutely one of my favorite things. And being able to be on a lot of actual plays and charity streams and things like that has been really cool um, to, to experience that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and um being able to be at tables that do focus on t- tough stuff has been really cool too. Yeah. Um, uh, for example, my, my first table, my first long-term D and D campaign, I, I just put a call out on Twitter saying like, I want to play D and D, but I want to play it with queer people only. Yeah. Um, and I was able to get a table long-term shout out to RK, who is my, my GM there. Yeah absolutely amazing but um it was it was one of the first times where you like i don't know just being at a table where you feel comfortable i think anybody that has been in a marginalized community they know what it's like to be marginalized they know Mm -hmm. what that feeling of walking on eggshells or just having that that thing in the back of your mind or in your gut of like oh do i have to be confrontational if somebody says something weird or whatever um and not even like not not to say that people in marginalized groups can't say things that uh, everybody agrees with but being able to call it out in a space where you don't feel like you're gonna get trounced or uh, feel little um and you actually have a voice at the table is really cool so being at tables um like an all queer table or um an all asian table some of those experiences those games have been one of some of my favorites just because of the fact that like there is uh bringing it back to like me trying to um use my hobby so that people didn't celebrate or not celebrate, but notice my my queerness or my Asianness. Yeah, being at these tables where now that is a common link, it almost like gives you that that like oh I can I can like let out that that breath that you've been holding, or I can like just like relax just a little bit more and be in that table because I know somewhere out there there's a shared experience and it's just really nice to see people like you around the table um, telling these stories. Um, I'm usually at a lot of conventions. Um, Even before before Roll20, I used to do contract work for board game companies to do marketing during the conventions and stuff. Um, Yeah, one of my favorite parts is being able to go to conventions and meeting people uh, I know I talk about being chronically online a lot. <laughs> but there's something very special about meeting people that you've 
talked to that you've connected with over online um, and being able to even like being in a physical meet space with people um, again, just kind of reaffirms that like you're not alone in the, the bigger fight of things or you're not alone, even when it just comes to like what's going on. Um, and I know that's a huge privilege to be able to go to these conventions and meet uh, folks that are able to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but something like Big Bad Con, um, I know we mentioned it earlier, but going yeah. to Big Bad Con was one of my best experiences because of the fact that they were able to bring people from literal international from yeah. China, from India, like from all over. And they had the POC scholarship program um, and the uh, Ajit and Sean um, and all the, the whole programming team did such an amazing job. So to be able to go to a convention like that, where, you know, you know that these people were picked um, because of the fact that they are marginalized mm-hmm. and they probably wouldn't be able to go to conventions um, yeah. if it weren't for this program. It was just a very powerful thing to, you know, uh, to network, but the networking didn't feel transactional. It was yeah. like, a, oh, you're real or, oh, tell me about your passions. It wasn't always about projects or like, what do you do in the space? It was just like, who are you as a person? Let's share a meal. Let's talk. Yeah. Let's just play games, uh, yeah. <laughs> which sometimes we forget that we're in the space. We do play games and it's okay to play games with each other and not have to worry about pushing the needle or moving the needle forward. But that was yeah. one of the, the the best convention experiences that I had of recent, just because of the fact that like there was, I don't know, it was like meeting your heroes, meeting your best friends that you've had mm-hmm. online. Um, and it's just like all in all in one place. Um, but yeah, I think my favorite, my favorite thing, just in general are the people in the space and without without this medium of tabletop rpgs i wouldn't have been able to make friends like you or Mm. you know um to have these relationships of friends online or the opportunities even to guest write for something or guest spot on a a charity stream or something like that yeah um so probably a cheesy answer but my favorite part about tabletop rpgs are are the people (laughs) no i think that's great yeah i mean it 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 is like it's like you talked about sometimes we forget like we're here to play games and like sometimes just like the the conversation of like hey like i want to run a game for you and people like okay like let me check my schedule i'm like look also this doesn't have to be recorded like (laughs) that's we can literally just play it uh (laughs) it's fine um because i think like it's it's tough. Sometimes we forget because we're in content creator mode and everybody's trying to figure out like, you know, what is their role in this space and how far can they push that? And sometimes it's like, well, no, like I just actually admire who you are and the way you play. And I just want to experience that at my table. And like, if nobody else knows about it, but the five of us, like that's still okay. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm still going to have a great time. I promise you. Um, And yeah, I think that that's a lot of fun and and it is cool. Like it's it's so fascinating to see um you know how all of these opportunities can kind of come together and and like we talked about in the beginning like just like create spaces for folks to to have those opportunities and to and to meet other people and to do that stuff. So Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do, if you're okay with talking about it, I'm, I am curious, like you mentioned, like being able to play at an all queer table and I'm curious, like, because it happens for so many people that 
TTRPGs ends up helping somebody identify or easierly or yeah, have an easier way of identifying with themselves. Like, was that something that you were able to explore more, more fully um, through TTRPGs or do you, or did you already like come out and, you know, feel comfortable, I guess, in yourself uh, prior to that? Uh, It was definitely part of my, my kind of coming out experience. Um, But I was, I was myself online before I was myself in in the real public. World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in my content creation, I I identified as a queer gay man, but mm. in real life, I did not. So it was definitely part of the journey. Um, but being able to just really meet people and tell stories and be okay with exploring different genders and just kind of learning. Um, how, how it would be has been a pivotal thing to just kind of like as an exploration exercise or as a a way to learn and try to put the onus on yourself to learn, Mm -hmm. uh, challenge what internalized, whatever you may have. Um, so being at those tables, um, playing games created by queer people have, has also been, um amazing uh yeah. shout out to to wander home by uh jay dragon mm-hmm. jay has created very um not necessarily even queer centric games but you can tell that being you in that game however you identify is okay yeah. and wherever your background is uh it's a game about really being homeless mm-hmm. um and that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, but one physically being homeless or not being able to find your, your own. Um, and finally being able to explore that and create those connections, even in game, some of those experiences and being able to not be judged, uh, not be criticized, um, and being able to explore that without, um, without feeling like you're saying something wrong or you're doing something wrong has been um, very important to me um, in, in the queer community because I do, I mean, I I identify as gay, um, but I still see a lot of discrepancy when it comes to, you know, like I have the privilege of being a cis male in, in our space. Um, And you just, the more that you're able to put yourself at tables or just listen to voices that, uh, are a marginalized gender or um, other people that just you know are in a space where you can you know that you have the privilege that they do not mm-hmm. um, being able to have that 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 space to learn from them has been really important for me just like as a learning learning about myself, my community, the LGBTQ community, as well as the tabletop RPG community. Yeah, no, yeah, I totally get that. I think like, it's so important. That's one of the things that I've um, really loved about the show and that it was like something I credit from as an accident of the show. Um, But I'm so grateful for is that like the, the opportunity to, because people have this platform to tell their stories, like learn about that and, and just sit back and listen um, and allow other people to sit back and listen to those stories and, and engage with it that way. And I think it's so important sometimes to just like, to not be 
um, you know, as the host or as the listener to not be the, the focus of the conversation and just understand like, this is where a person's coming from. And, and this is how uh, they identify. And this are, these are the things that they've had to struggle with because of that identity. Um, and these are ways like that they wish other people would treat them because of this, you know what I mean? And uh, even when it's not explicitly said, like, I think those things um, get to be inferred and, and we get to learn from that. And truly like, that's, such an amazing thing um in a space where we can all be whoever we want to be in a ttrpg to have that opportunity to be like yeah this is who i want to be and this helps me further communicate who i actually am Mm -hmm. i think is really really incredible so yeah i love that yeah um well cool like so we're we're still early in the year i'm curious like do you have like big things coming up that you can talk about that you're excited about um yes and no uh (laughs) One of the th- it, yeah, uh, <laughs> yes and no. Um, <laughs> you know, remember where you signed today? <laughs> yeah, no. I'm like NDAs. Usually, if this is not being recorded, we can friend DA this. Um, yes. So one of the projects I'll call out are all the witches. Yeah. Um, I am working with them to help. Uh, design the deck building element to the tabletop RPG. Awesome. Uh, it's a, a, a magical world. Uh, Emma is an amazing writer, and uh, they're creating a, a a new magical world where um, magic is. There's there's different schools of magic, um, but there's also something known as discordance, mm-hmm. and not everything is always. Um, uh, rainbows and butterflies when it comes to uh, the magical world. Uh, mm. So that's something to look out for. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be crowdfunded sooner than later. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Um, I'm also working on being a guest designer for a friend's project. We'll codename it, uh, let's say, Taverns. Okay. Um, and the whole thing is that you don't always have to meet at a tavern Um, and it's going to be just like a fun supplement to your, your tabletop RPG um, world building uh, just to give you ideas. Um, And yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of things moving behind the scenes Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know if I can talk about them, but uh, so something that I can talk about for sure is I was uh, me, Tanya DePass, uh, Isaac himself um, of Gloomhaven mm-hmm. fame. Um, the Gloomhaven RPG will be coming out as well this year, nice. um, being crowdfunded. So that's something to be on the lookout for um, too. But yeah. yeah, there's a there's a few things. There's a few companies that I'll be able to work with. You can always um, follow me on the the Twitters to really stay up to date. But uh, I do want to involve the community a lot more for Free RPG Day, yeah. um, especially trying to figure out ways if you don't have a friendly local game store how do we get people involved in that um uh but yeah those are those are the main um uh projects on i'm personally my uh i'm personally working on a project yeah um 
I guess I can announce it here. Uh, it's awesome. the first time I'm ever announcing it. Um, but it's going to be a Monster of the Week hack. I, I kind of talked about it on Twitter. So if you follow me on Twitter, you probably <laughs> know. But I, it, it's uh, it's going to be called 666. Mm. And it is based off of King Henry's Six Wives. Um, I've been recently obsessed nice. with musicals. Yeah. And I saw Six the Musical. And I was like, these six women need to be celebrated. Because yeah. <laughs> um, the whole show is just about uh, being being over always the patriarchy tear it down but they they've always been overshadowed as king henry's wives but mm-hmm. the whole thing is like they were also people and they also did yes. really cool shit um so i'm i'm writing that i'm working with a few amazing artists cuz i really want really cool art for it yeah. um but the whole idea is that the six queens will be uh playbooks like pre-generated playbooks that you can jump into yeah. and we're taking down king henry who is satan in this world nice. um as a play on 666 so yeah. um so now that i've announced it i have to keep working on it uh, yes oh yeah <laughs> accountability <laughs> accountability um but yeah I, I definitely just want to write a lot more you'll probably yeah. see my name pop up here and there um and then I also want to start my own podcast i i told myself um and there's nothing wrong with it, but in the past year or two, I've kind of let my own personal projects just take the the back burner, and I guessed it a lot, and mm-hmm. I was a part of a lot of smaller things. Yeah. And I do want um, a keystone in my in my repertoire that is mine, that is my project. So um, I'm going to be starting a a podcast as well, and it's going to be silly and chaotic. It's called Dirty Thirty, yeah. Um, and it's just going to be uh, a wild time. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh yeah. Um, ten out of ten recommend starting a podcast as long as you're not a cis white male. Um, <laughs> yeah, I used to have a podcast with uh, two other queer board game creators, and we were called Variable Player Power, and it was one of the best experiences uh ever to just be able to talk about games and queer shit and uh again just use it as another platform to hang out with friends and like shout out all the cool shit that we're always doing yeah hell yeah well that is exciting i am um i'm excited to see that game because that sounds a lot of fun and and i'm glad that you're getting into the the writing and design space too that's like that's where i'm moving a lot of my focus and i I love it so much. So yeah, we need yeah. more, more and more voices out there doing that stuff. Well, maybe we should collaborate on a project. Done. <laughs> End the recording. Um, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so yeah, uh, incredible. So you mentioned like, yeah, let's have people find you. Um, where, where again, can people find you on, on the interwebs? Yeah, I'm all over the interwebs at Brutal Dan. So that's B-R-0-0-T-A-L-D-A-N. Um, you can find me on Twitter, TikTok, uh, Instagram, uh, Hive, if that's still a thing. Uh, I check it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's yeah. momentum, and then Twitter didn't die enough. I know. I <laughs> and know. then Hive shut down because we shut it. So. We shut it down. Yeah, too many people were yeah. hi- hyped about it. Um, but yeah, this is an open call. Um, I am the community manager for Roll20, and one of my biggest goals is just to make – games more accessible and approachable for people meaning that if you ever want to see a game 
um, and you just can't afford it. Uh, I know a guy who can get you a code that can at least get you a digital copy. Yeah. Um, and I think that's so important, especially in the content creator space. We're always mm-hmm. spending money. Um, so this is my way of giving back to the community. So if you ever need any supplements, compendiums, anything like that, reach yeah. out. Um, open call to creators, marginalized voices, uh, whoever's listening to this. Uh, anything that I can do to to help out to signal boost reach out and we can we can do cool shit oh yeah danny we need to play some games together i would love that yeah i i wrote a uh a monopoly game well basically you play monopoly and every time you land on somebody else's uh owned property you have to fight them in a either D pathfinder or whatever one-on-one combat and if you win <laughs> you level up <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have to play that but i'm just saying i'm, I'm incorporating board games and ttrpgs and it's for you danny you i are fucking my love that so <laughs> honestly okay so we're rambling now yeah. i have always 100 wanted to merge those two worlds and mm-hmm. i understand it's not for everybody a lot of times yeah. people like to play board games specifically because it is analytical it's all mm-hmm. strategy tactics whatever and a lot of times people play rpgs because of the storytelling and the improv and the the kind of off the cuff stuff yeah. uh and the randomness uh however to be able to merge those two worlds has always been absolutely amazing so things that like uh what's dread uh, mm-hmm. is it called dread with the jenga tower yeah yeah um yes oh man anything yeah. that like i always like play even when i play board games just in general with friends i get into the character that is playing mm-hmm. um but i would love some sort of D campaign or any any tabletop rpg campaign where if you were to get into an encounter you break out like a 15 to 20 minute game like hungry hungry hippos or <laughs> something wild like that and use it to further the stories <clears throat> yeah um, <laughs> conflict resolution who eats the hungry hungry hippo marbles it, first yes 100 percent. And, yeah. and and maybe the winner gets a pet hippo in the in the story and then you just go back right into storytelling right like you, yeah. you go right back into it and you use what happened like if someone's hippo kept stealing the the marbles then like you can use that as storytelling points or the the gm can do that so um but yeah any any time that We'll, we'll talk about ideas, but I, yeah. I love I love that you have incorporated that yeah. into Monopoly. It was a joke tweet, and then I was like, well, "Actually, this is a game." So now, yeah. now it's now it exists. You can find it on on itch. So. <laughs> I love it. Um, incredible. Well, Danny, I'm so glad we finally got to do this. Uh, this has been a long time for us and back and forth scheduling, but um, uh, I'm so glad we finally got to sit and chat. Um, you are just as wonderful uh, in person as you are on the internet. So congratulations. <laughs> I appreciate it. So now we've done this. Now we need to play a game and then we need yes. to design a game. Yes. So those are the next two, uh, next the, two points. The plans are, the plans are coming. So, <laughs> um, awesome. Well, yeah, thanks again. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to reach out to us, check out the many options on the anchor app or anchor.fm on your browser. You can also reach us at secretnerdpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show, and if you'd like, leave a review to help us grow this thing. Bye.